So I am sitting here on the couch with my probably first ever best friend, Amber. Uh, she grew up across the street from me, and I think I was seven? six, seven years old. Here we are, I'm almost 30. So we are still friends, and uh, she grew up as a pastor's kid and um, quickly became a military kid. And so she ended up moving and has lived all over the United States and has now landed with her husband, who is now also in the military, um, on the beautiful coast of North Carolina, where she has two beautiful daughters. And I am gonna let her just share about uh, the last few years of her life, of how she now appreciates life probably more than she ever has. Uh, like Catherine said, I've got two, two daughters, but I'm actually a mom of three. I have a little boy who is in heaven, and we always said that if we ever had a child that was due around Christmas time, that, that we would give them a Christmas name, and, and Gabriel just suited him. And this was just Christmas before last? Yes, 2018. Right? We opted in to do genetic testing with Gabriel. So about 12 weeks, we actually found out he was a boy. And the early ultrasounds, they, they saw some concerning matters with Gabriel. So weekly ultrasounds became, I mean, just pretty pretty normal for us. He had uh, an omphalocele. We later found out that um, an omphalocele was organs herniated out of the abdominal wall, which is, I mean, it happens, it actually happens. It's a very simple thing that happens to be very complicated, develops more complicated. I think just an omphalocele is a one in, I think about 10 to 20,000 babies will mm. be diagnosed with an omphalocele, which is treatable. An omphalocele is fatal. In our case, that, that happened to be so. Gabriel had an omphalocele, but also had um, heart defect, developed um, small lungs. First time, I got news that um, that he was not gonna live. Found that out at 22 weeks. I, was, I did that alone. My husband uh, was gone, and I did that appointment alone. I know there's gonna be a lot of moms that will listen to this that hopefully will never have to hear those words. I think there are a lot of times that we're moms or not, I think we take for granted the, the miracle that it is to even get pregnant to even conceive and it was a miracle for you to even be see them at all mm -hmm. I know this conversation is hard for you he will always be your son <laughs> not just fetus in the womb like he's not just something that the the doctors diagnosed as a rare case like he is your son mm -hmm. and um, I appreciate you even allowing your emotions to be released talk and hopefully help somebody who's listening who may may be one of those 10 or 20,000 <laughs> Right. That I've gotten those words and I've gotten that report. The bravery you have exemplified and you know, I know you didn't choose or want to have that appointment alone and to be without Lewis. The fact that you did and just how you how you every everything that followed that, I know you're gonna talk more about it, but everything that followed that, like your bravery has astounded me. So I'm I'll I'll let you keep going oh. if, if <laughs> you <so> can. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I it, it does. I, I mean, I miss him. I miss him every day. It's been, I mean, not quite two years since I had him. And I, I mean, there's just not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. Mother, matter how much time you get. It doesn't matter. I mean, how long you've been with them. It doesn't matter. The experiences that you have with them. I mean, I have an almost six-year-old. I have an almost two-month-old. Two Gabriel would be two this year. <clears throat> and I love my Gabriel as much as I love my girls. Every appointment just got and I just felt like, I mean, just a piece of my heart just broke off every time. The doc valuable, and I, I think that, um, especially when you become a mom, there's there's a certain love that you experience as a mom that you can't even explain or feel unless you are a mom. It's very natural. Sometimes to be politically correct, you know, it's, you know, to end a pregnancy or terminate a pregnancy, but it is, it's abortion. Yes, and, exactly um, what that is. So, yeah. so the doctors were encouraging you to end this life an encouragement I think would be an understatement they were pushing me in that direction told me to my face that there would be no quality of life I said I mean he's alive right now like some of these doctors had children of their own mm -hmm. and as with Gabriel I had I mean my oldest was three years old and, and um if I remember correctly you had miscarried I did twice 
Um, Before getting pregnant with Gabriel. Yes. So, so. between Mara and Gabriel, is that right? Between Mara and Gabriel. So, Mara was, um, so she was being, we couldn't figure out why. Mm -hmm. Uh, Six months later, I got pregnant again. And patients with that one, I was a little further. But um, I almost lost my life because of um, ectopic pregnancy. And the only way I knew that was because uh, I burst and uh, internally. And I didn't know that until um, my OBGYN called me and said, you have an appointment scheduled today. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to come. I don't feel well. Um, they told me that I was miscarrying because, I mean, I told them I was having some issues. I went in. They said, you're in the process of another miscarriage. So I had known that I was, that I was already miscarrying. Um, me back, they said, well, we want you to come in because from your last blood test, your HCG levels... Which is your, which is a pregnancy hormone? Um, they said um, we don't think you're miscarrying. Um, your baby is still alive, is what they told me. Hmm. Um, um, bad or not, we want you to come in. And I was really adamant about not going in. Yeah. And I told him, I said I can't even get up. Like I don't feel well. And they said, just trust us. They said come in. And so I, I mean, to just muster up the the strength to to even get up was excruciating i went in was gone from my face and lewis was with you this uh, time right? yes he was with me was mara with you she would have been no so my grandparents two, were in that week right was she, was she two at the time she was two yes and so how old were you when all this was going on i was 24 or 25 24 25 <laughs> somewhere you know yeah. when you get over 20 you know the years just blur together so basically you were mid-20s early to mid-20s and going into a doctor's appointment that you thought everything was okay, mm -hmm. it was routine, and you didn't know within the next few moments that, that your life was on the line. So, so. then my, my doctor said, um, he's like, I want you mm -hmm. need emergency surgery, is what mm -hmm. he said, um, into the life of your baby. If you get emergency surgery, he said, not to get surgery, he said, you're going to die. Um, for a second and I laid down and he pressed in like a certain area um, hard I called my mom and I told her exactly what he told me and um, you gotta make a decision quick <laughs> and literally so, it was basically coming down to your life or the babies yes yes <laughs> like you had to choose and it was gonna be a gamble yes either way um, Wow and I remember, I think, after you called your mom, your mom, like, immediately called people and was yes. getting to pray, and my parents were one of those people, oh. and uh, I, I remember when they told me, I was like, this this can't be happening. And like, what this didn't is, feel like it, this yeah. is not This is not real. Like, this isn't right. Um, I can't even imagine being in your standpoint where you're like, you had to make this decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, wow. So then, so what happened after that? So, um, and, um, really... The doctor that, um, a pro-life doctor, I mean, he, um, um, life mattered to him and he, mm -hmm. he told me the same thing. He said, you know, I mean, he said, locations anyway, he said, you know, he said, this baby's probably not going to make it. Really trying to hold it together. And yeah. she said, Amber, she said, if you lose your life, she said, that baby is going to go with you. She said, I mean, you know. As soon as, I mean, especially when, when you're trying to have a baby and just you, your patience wears thin and, I mean, you, you finally find out and and then just to, for it to all come crashing down on you, it's, I mean, at the same time, we're, I mean, you're thinking about having to make a decision about whether you'll lose your own life or not. Um, it's a really hard decision to make. I mean, advice my life for my children. Um, was that was hard that was hard to make and I mean my husband almost made it for me <laughs> and he was just like I understand like and and we tried to have the, he, I know he was trying to have this conversation quick because um essence and two-year-old Mara and so like I mean, she has no idea what's going on right now <laughs> right and I mean I think that that probably influenced your decision as well oh, knowing yeah. that like this isn't just you and the first baby right you know but obviously you have a two-year-old daughter already that that needs a mama right and um, my husband and my mom both told me they said you know I mean there are people that that need you too I mean you sure that that weighed heavily in on the on the decision so you had the surgery yes so they, 
he's like, you need to, you need to make a decision now. He says, if you, oh, you need to go now. Mm-hmm. And on ambulance, he says, but it's going to take longer than if your husband can drive you to the hospital right now. He says, I have someone waiting out right outside the door for you. Wow. So he lifted me and carried me to the car. I can't um, imagine even what was going through his mind, like the oh, adrenaline and just like, he's like, I got to get did. my wife to this hospital. He did. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, and he, and I told him, I said, why were you just like not as freaked out as I was? Why were you just not panicked? And um, he said, well, he said, because I needed to be for you. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, she could be good. featured on his podcast. If he, if he comes in before we finish, then I'm going to get him on here because y'all, this dude is golden. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is like the best mix of Filipino black man that you will ever meet in your life. God. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm not makes, hitting on your husband. It's fine. Children. Yeah. <laughs> he makes beautiful children and he's really good to my friend. And so like, I'm happy. Okay. Anyway, so Lewis will be strong and being awesome and not freaking out, not panicking, uh, getting you great. to the hospital in time. Okay. So, <laughs> so he told me, drove me to the hospital and he could only go so far before they took me back. Yeah. And, uh, they're asking me questions. They're like, okay, take all your jewelry out of your ears. They said, we need to get you mm. back fast they said right. did you and they're asking me like questions like um maybe i mean here you are literally fighting for your life and they're telling you to take your jewelry out yes like, I, I, I could i know that was wow. so weird to me like so um that lewis drove me there to the time like they actually put me out was maybe 20 minutes wow it was it was fast wow. they were really trying to I mean, yeah so um was with me and they were willing me back and i was crying and all I could think about was Mara mm-hmm. and him. And if something happened, just, I mean, what would they do? Um, I'd always told Lewis, I mean, as selfish as it sounds, I, I just, um, I just want to be here long enough so that my kids and my husband just will be done needing me. Wow. <laughs> just at least that long. And, um... I mean, I'm I just, at this point, I mean, I'm, I remember as a kid just understanding the concept of death and how scary it was. And I don't want, I don't want to die. That's, that's terrifying. Um, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where, I mean, if God wants to take me, then I feel like if I could bargain with him that <laughs> take me as long as, as mm. long as my kids don't need me and my husband doesn't need me anymore. Wow. Um, I, um, like Lewis, um, just knowing everything that was going on and just happening so fast. Um, right before I went back, I just, I held his hand and I said, I'm scared. And I know he was, he was so strong for me and I wanted to be for him, but that was probably, probably one of the weakest moments in my life. And I mean, it, it showed and... And I just, I appreciate him being strong for me. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the last thing I remembered before I did go under. And then after I did, Lewis went back and waited for a few hours. Um, not until way later he told me that he, he just bawled his eyes out the whole time. That he wanted to show me that that he was... He didn't want to panic to make mean any kind of make the situation worse than what it was. Um, just to, to comfort me, yeah. he said. Even if it was, and in your last moments, and I mean, fortunately, it wasn't. But he said, "I wanted, I wanted you to think that I was okay, that you didn't have to worry about me." And in that time, he was thinking about. Um, hoping that, I mean, the circumstances and, and the outcome of, of what was happening was was going to be good, but what life was going to be like as a single dad, he needed to... These are, these are not normal thoughts or conversations no. that, you know, a, a married couple of 24, 25 years old, y'all had only been married oh, just... three years three, at that point. Three years and you're still kind of like newlyweds, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, with with a baby, and and you're he's already thinking what what what's the worst case scenario? What if she doesn't right. come out of this surgery? 
what if I've got to be a single dad to our two-year-old? Like, what is what is life going to look like? And literally, you are under anesthesia for these hours. Like, while he's having these panic moments that he didn't want to show you, um, these were real, real thoughts. Yeah. This was real fear that you had going into it. And then, I mean, obviously, you're here and you're on this podcast. Yes. So, we, we, we know um, how, how at least that part good. of the story <laughs> ended. But, my gosh, like... That is one thing I know that gave you a much better oh, yeah. appreciation. And that's such a, like, <laughs> a light way <laughs> to say it. But, like, you know, to not take a moment for granted because right. everything was going was going well. And in a matter of a day, you yeah. knew that your life could end. You know, if you if you didn't make a decision, like, it was, was like, it was like the choice was in your hands as to yeah. whether or not to have a surgery. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was at the store that day when that happened. I went, wow. I went to Walmart and me and Mara got some groceries. I was I was feeling bad, but yeah. I mean, I got home and it, it kind of progressively got worse. But I mean, it was it was just a normal day, and I didn't even tell me this until he didn't he didn't think I was ready to hear that until later. Yeah, which I, I mean, I just appreciate him for that. Um, he was, um, I mean, he had my best interest at heart, yeah. and. And I know we're kind of like going like a little bit back and forth, yeah. but you, you knew that making the decision to go into the surgery would mean that your baby's life, if it hadn't already ended inside you, then, then that would be yes the end of, end of the baby's life. And so, um, I mean, I'm sure you could talk for probably hours about the grief. Cause I, I mean, I remember wow. talking to you about some of that, like the grief that came from that, because that was the second miscarriage. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to go into that because I know you're out of like what what was going through your mind when you found out that you were pregnant with Gabriel a fear I was terrified I mean but no it's okay I mean honestly I I mean I'll I'll talk to whoever wants to hear about it (laughs) right because I know I mean it's when I woke up from that surgery my dad was there I, yeah. The first person I saw, it was very blurry, <laughs> but I saw my dad, and I was just like, I mean, in the service, um, mm-hmm. I have to make a, a, a literally a life or death choice. And oh, he got on that what BMW motorcycle and, <laughs> and jetted there. He did. <laughs> I, I mean, and he waited with Lewis. Yeah. I mean, and I, I saw him, and and I woke up, and he was on my hand. <laughs> and I'm I'm just gonna segue into this, but. I said that you were a military kid growing up. Mm-hmm. So your dad, um, well, he's retired now. He's a retired officer, but he was a Navy chaplain. Yes. Um, so he had a pretty good track record of um, being in situations yes. of probably comforting and, and consoling people when they were going through grief. And, and, and you know what? And, and as much as he's talked about that, and I mean, he's... He counts. He counseled, oh, so, so many people. I mean, yeah. in the military, of course. Um, but when it's his baby girl, <laughs> it's exactly like, what he said. Wow. It's, it's not the same no. when it's your own, when it's your own children. Um, and <sighs> he was just as fearful as everybody else was. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a real moment. Like for him to admit that, that it doesn't matter, you know, how strong we can be for somebody else or, you know, and, and literally as, I mean, we're, we're children of God. We're women of faith like we believe in God we believe that he is the prince of peace and he's the comforter but there are moments where even we still yeah are scared and have no idea what's going on and have no idea what to do oh yeah it's like a I mean and and there's so many passages in the bible that talks about I mean you know fear not you know Mm -hmm. and and it's so easy to 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 just retreat right and um, especially when you are in those situations, I mean, it, I mean, panic is an understatement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I woke up. I mean, I'm in heaven, and my dad is with me. Or how did he get here so fast? <laughs> right, <laughs> just like a dad. <laughs> I mean, and he lived uh, an hour away from me, but wow. I mean, yeah. he, feelings that try and go, that you go through your body, where you you choose to live or you choose to die. And go through your head when when someone says that to you and says you're gonna die or you're not gonna die today, <laughs> right? And I mean, in, when that's in your hands and you have to make that decision, it's it's very overwhelming. Yeah. Up appointment, the um, the nurse was shaking, and she held my. I didn't know this lady. She was there during the surgery. Wow. 
she held my hands and she was shaking. She says, if you had waited any longer, you would have died. Just, I'm glad to see you. And she, I mean, and she hugged me and I was just, yeah. <laughs> and I was tearing up. She's like, I don't know you. <laughs> and she said, yeah. but and she said, I feared for your life. Wow. And I, I just I had to be there. And I said, is the doctor still here? And I went and I hugged him. I said, I know that's probably not appropriate. I said, you saved my life. Wow. Um, I want to give a, a quick, like, people who didn't know me cared about me. Um, sweet of her. I, I, I mean, I had no idea. She told me that. And this was a nurse that maybe assisted in your surgery? Yes. And so, so this was in your follow-up, like, post-surgery? Yes, after the doctor had walked out. And, I mean, yeah. she after she took my vitals and, and gave me my checkout paperwork, and she mm-hmm. did, that's what she said to me. And I, I had no idea. It just, it was such a... Uh, to all of the doctors and nurses that are put in really tough predicaments at times where maybe it's not the patient that has the choice of whether they live or die, but maybe it's in the doctor's hands. Right. And the doctors and nurses that fight for the lives of their patients, whether it's on a surgeon's table or in a doctor's office or whatever. Um, A lot of of doctors may not be pro-life. And we were talking earlier how it's like, it's sad that we even have to say pro-life as if somebody would be pro-death. And I know that that's not what people say. Oh, that's too harsh. It's (laughs) too harsh, right? It's it's pro-choice. And I'm like, well, the, the, the child is 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 alive <laughs> whether whether he or she is in the in the womb or or in your arms right. and uh, I, I believe that they have a right exactly. to to choose <laughs> you know <laughs> life and so right. um but yeah several um lives yeah like that if it, if something had gone wrong on the on the surgeon's table or you know whatever um it of others that have had to pronounce someone dead on an operating table and just to think that Day after day, they face their own fears to fight for the life of somebody else. And yeah. I'm grateful that um, <laughs> that he was was wise enough to make you make a decision quick. Because right. if he had not, then yeah. you would have waited and you might not have You're had right. a, a choice or a chance. Um, life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to obviously get you to a place where you could conceive again. Because mm-hmm. I think that they were saying that you wouldn't be able to <laughs> they did so um we i used his hands his intellect his oh, wisdom yeah. to um, use alternative ways mm-hmm. of conception um really gone badly and um and i know- ended up doing um ivf which mm-hmm. is in, uh, you know, in vitro in vitro <laughs> i'm like i'm learning y'all and just in case y'all wondering we were having this conversation before we started the podcast and i have learned so many words <laughs> So many words. I'm learning a whole different language. Like I'm, I'm having Rosetta Stone <laughs> on just like prenatal classes. Um, but yeah, no in vitro, fer- in vitro for- fertilization, fertilization, yes. not fertilizer. <laughs> no, we not have that. no miracle grow. <laughs> Although it was a miracle. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, no pun intended. But fine, <laughs> yeah. So, but in the surgery, they had to remove one of my fallopian tubes. Um, told me that my other one was that it was basically scarred and blocked and that we could not conceive conceive naturally mm-hmm. um, so we chose an alternate route route we looked into um, adoption and, and really want to consider that later too we've, we've been talking about that um, yes so yeah <laughs> I am pro adoption yes I so, want to adopt laws <laughs> depending on your state I mean laws can be very strict oh, about that so. yeah that's a different podcast for a different day <laughs> yes I understand so. why it is is difficult because you don't want you know kids going to just anyone but I believe there are a lot of okay. people that can and should yes. be raising kids oh, and yes. it's just so sure. hard and so expensive that it's just it it's, it hard, it's hard yeah um Fine. that you have obviously appreciation for life when yours was on the line right um the life the lives inside of you have been on the line and even after the IVF and and actually conceiving through that and 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 being pregnant and so we're kind of we we did like a flashback of the other so now we're back to this and so you're pregnant with Gabriel and um, you want to maybe adopt some more? Yes. Oh, we <laughs> or would love to. Just all kinds of kids. We do. And, and you know what? I, I mean, 
I, my dad always asked me, what do you want to do when you get older? I mean, you always ask that as a kid. What do you want to do when you get older? I had no idea. I wanted, I mean, I wanted to grow up, live by myself, and have puppies and kitties when I was seven. Wow. Right. <laughs> but, when we were playing make-believe and, um, and writing, gosh, we were writing, like, screenplays. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yes. we had scripts and stuff playing, like, outside. Yeah, we, gosh, I wanted to be an architect at the oh, time yeah. and an inventor. And look at this now. great aspirations as children. I'm telling you. <laughs> and now it's like, well, and now you're a mom. Right. Like, and the a last beast thing. at it. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's all right. A tatted, pierced mom and raising babies that have four, <laughs> what What did we say? Four ethnicities. Oh, my goodness. So she is like breaking all of the interracial barriers <laughs> with her life. I'm just saying beast mode. So she said which was like a one in 400,000. So, so, and on fall seals, it's between a 1 in 10,000 to 20,000. Okay. But because of, of the other issues that Gabriel had, he, he had a, a heart defect. And um, they, for insurance purposes, they mm-hmm. di- we had to have a diagnosis for insurance yeah. purposes to have a certain kind of coverage so that we could cover it under an actual, it's called a special needs program, mm-hmm. um, to get the, the help that we needed mm-hmm. for Gabriel. Um, to what was called OEIS complex. Which was actually not the proper diagnosis. He had some symptoms of, of that complex and diagnosis, but it was actually not the proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But what he did, you basically carried him almost to term. Al- almost to term, even knowing that, like you said, what, what was the word again? That I never um, remember. Um, so he Gabriel had a, a lot of complications. He, yes. he did have an omphalocele, like which I said is it's um, is when organs are herniated out of the abdominal wall from where just just a small part of the abdominal mm-hmm. wall doesn't develop right. um his spine he had undeveloped his his lungs were undeveloped and he had his own fall seal um, chances of that happening um during a pregnancy is a one in four hundred thousand chance um and in four hundred thousand i'm gonna reiterate that as if it's not had enough and, and scares to deal with, and I'm only emphasizing this because, obviously, I I know, I know the or it's not even the end of the story. Her life's still going. Um, emphasizing this because there have been so many times that you could have given up, and you could have said, "I am, I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of grieving. I'm tired of trying this and it failing." Um, I'm sure you probably felt like that you were failing because I, I can imagine that a lot of that as a mom is, is internalized, um, that you were feeling like that you were inadequate, even though it wasn't your fault at all. But I can imagine the questions that you were asking God, like, oh, yeah. what in the world are you doing? Why is this happening? Like all, all of these things. And yet even after knowing that Gabriel had a heart defect, his organs were forming outside of his body. Um, and I'm just, I'm, and I, I, I'm not saying this bluntly as in just being like rude or insensitive, but I, w- I want it to be as real as it is because oh, yeah. I don't know of anybody else that would say, yes, I'm still going to carry this baby and give it every fighting chance. And that was like, just, that, that became my motto is that he deserves a chance at life as much as anybody else does. Yeah. I mean, he's my son. He's our son. And my husband even, and I, I mean, we both talked about how we would change our lives for him mm-hmm. and, and what we would need to do. I mean, mm-hmm. even even to this, the, I mean, details is we need to get a vehicle if, if he can't walk because they were telling us that he had um, limb abnormalities. Wow. Which, yeah. I mean, like multiple limb abnormalities. They said mm-hmm. his arms, his legs, I mean, they're not right. And we he, were saying earlier how there have been a lot of misdiagnoses. Yes. Right? Um, we're saying that... There could be whatever it is, limb abnormalities, or um, you said some somebody like that was of uh, the brain. Yes, was, outside, was, was forming outside yes. of the skull. Yes, um, and yet that mom chose a normal baby. <laughs> chose to go through with it, even though she was encouraged by the doctors to abort and to terminate the pregnancy. She went through and delivered a normal, yes. <laughs> whatever normal even means, a right. typical, like a neurotypical a baby, baby yeah. a healthy baby. So, with the brain inside of the baby's head. Right. <laughs> it's like, how in the world do you miss? Like, that's that's yes. huge. Um, but it just goes to show, like, even if it doesn't end the way we want it to, 
you as a mom are given the privilege and the opportunity to steward a life inside of you that I love that you were like, I'm giving him every chance. Right. And I didn't feel like it was, it was my choice to make, to be honest. That's his life, not mine. Yeah. (laughs) So a bunch of new things. I mean, at, at appointments when they said at one point, I thought my son didn't have a leg. <laughs> I mean, oh, on top of all the other things right. that were going yeah. on, I went back to my next appointment and they said, oh, we found it. Wow. And I was just like, are you kidding? <laughs> it was there the whole time. <laughs> so, But they did say, I mean, they said that there were, I mean, like I mentioned before, there were limb abnormalities. Yeah. I mean, and, and I was expecting, I mean, you know, some severe abnormalities. I mean, your doctor tells mm-hmm. you something, you're just, I mean, you know, you take it for what it is because you're yeah. at their mercy. Right. <laughs> um, foot he was born with a club foot and that was the extent of his limb abnormalities wow which is i mean i wouldn't even consider that yeah no, that's very that's very treatable now you and i'm, I'm just i know you went into your your water broke yes early yes. it was 33, 33 weeks day, yeah 33 weeks and um days. and so he was alive he right? was alive he had a heartbeat up until i started pushing he passed in that process. Um, the, at the beginning, the doctors told us that he would pass because of um, his undeveloped lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have lung tissue, so he had lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, doctor even told me, you know, if, if, if you were my sister, this is what she said to me, if you were my sister, I would tell you not to do anything for him after he was born. Just spend that time with him. And I said, I was hysterical at that point because that was the appointment that I found out that my baby was not going to make it. She said, the condition, what he has is fatal. Um, he's not going to live. He most likely will die in the womb. But if you get to labor and deliver him, he will not live. Bawling my eyes out, I was by myself and I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get words out. Yeah. I was crying. I just started crying. And I called Lewis and I had to tell him. Um, what what was happening and there's there's no appropriate time to do anything there's I mean there's no I wasn't I mean bad news is is never because this good was time the appointment that he couldn't make he wasn't it there with you he right. was I believe he was he was at, at a school or he was I believe he was at he was mm-hmm. at some kind of training um, so at a point I was about halfway through I was about 18 19 weeks and that's when she told me you know you have other options and and I, I didn't say anything else to her at that appointment. There was so much in my brain afterwards that was just like rolling. And I was just like, I could have said this, 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 or this. And I'm glad I didn't <laughs> because I just was, I had, I mean, I was pregnant. I didn't have a filter and I was just, I mean, there were emotions Sometimes I were, wish I had that excuse. <laughs> I've never been pregnant. And so I'm like, mm, but I, I did. I, I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I bit my tongue and I was just like, I, I walked out and, I, I mean, I thought about it and everything, and I, I mean, it was hard, and I, I knew for a fact that, I mean, this is my son, I, I want him, as much mm-hmm. as you don't want me to want him, I wow. want him, yeah. um, and, and as much as you devalue his life, or what you think it is, mm-hmm. is not the case, and I said, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I, in my brain, this conversation in my brain I'm having, it was, I mean, his life means more to me than your life does. And if it was him or you, it would not be him. Because, I mean, basically what, you know, what they are saying is that if the child is showing signs of abnormalities or defects of any kind, then they're, they're less valuable. Yes. Yes. As and, a and as a being. matter of fact, um, they called me because in, in North Carolina, um, there's a law. You cannot terminate your pregnancy past 20 weeks. But in other states, they have different laws according to that. My doctor, the maternal fetal medicine doctor, called me when I was 19 weeks pregnant with Gabriel. They said um, that if you choose not to terminate your child now, or terminate your pregnancy, they did not say your child. So if you choose choose not to terminate your pregnancy, um, um, because you are going into your 20th week, they said um, in other states, they will terminate pregnancies past 20 weeks they told me that like wow. like i needed to know that information <laughs> and it i mean just, it's almost like the i mean the way they're wording it like to terminate it, it's almost like the, it's just flipping a switch yeah it's like okay i'm just gonna not be pregnant anymore like right like no even if like 
<laughs> even if you were to do that, you still have to, in some way, right. deliver a child that is going to not be and alive it, anymore. fully formed. Yeah, fully formed. Right. Thing. Like, this is not just an easy thing. And so I know that there may be people listening who have chosen to end their pregnancy. Right. And you may not regret it. You may do it again. I don't know. Um, I hope is that somebody who may be on the fence about it or who may um, feel that a, a life inside of a mom um, is any less valued just because there are abnormalities, right. just because they're going to be different, just because it's going to be harder right. to, to raise. Like you said, like you and Lewis were, were willing and ready mm-hmm. to, to change your lifestyle for the sake of a child that may have disabilities or disorders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was a special needs teacher for a few years, and, you know, I understand, like, and most of them were born neurotypical um, and then showed signs later of, you know, disabilities or whatever. But I can imagine, all again, all the things that would go through your head of, like, this is going to change our life forever. But obviously, we know now. I mean, you, you said it in the first probably 60 seconds of your, of your uh, introduction that he's in heaven. Yeah. Like... You, you were able to deliver him. You were able to hold him. Yes. Your family was able to hold him. Yeah. You, you have pictures. Mm-hmm. I still uh, have a laminated picture of Gabriel. I never got to hold him, but I still have a laminated picture as like a bookmark um, in my room right now. And um, to, I didn't get to hold him. But man, to love a life that I never even met. <laughs> I, and, and that's, I mean, you know, God was really working in, in that situation. And and I had people ask me, did you just, did you just want to give up? Did you just want to mm-hmm. stop the hurt? Did you just, and you know, of course I wanted the hurt to not be there, but right. I, I mean, I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't going to get rid of the problem. I would, I would rather endure it and, and know that he had whatever I'm opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, uh, and it was, I mean, God calls us to, to, for, I mean, to suffer and uh, and a topic we also don't want to discuss much, but literally, I mean, it's suffering that produces character and, and, and perseverance. And I did it. And and people even say, I I mean, like you still believe in God after that? Like he took your baby. Wow. And I'm just like, of course I do. And and I could not have done this without him. I could not be where I am right now today mm-hmm. without without God and, and, and my faith and and what he what he's given me during this this trial. And I think that um, we went through was unintentional. I believe God called us to go through that. I think that he um, that he chose me and Lewis and Mara and all of our friends and family that that were affected by this and the way that Mara handled it like wow I mean what four or five years old at the time she was four she She just so her and Gabriel's birthdays were three weeks apart so she turned four three weeks before Gabriel was born wow and I mean and she got to hold him she did and she I mean I don't I don't know what goes through a four year old's mind um I, I but she knew the whole time you were pregnant. Like, yes. that's my baby brother. Yes, she did. And, so, and she knows now and she that Gabriel is in heaven. And she's yeah. still... And I'm, did I just dream this? Or does, does she, like, have, like, dreams or, like, visions of where, like, she has either seen him in heaven or talked to him? Like, did I just dream that? I feel like okay. that I remember that that happened. She talks <laughs> about... Well, she talks about him a lot. I know she dreams about him. She... She's, she's a really she's, great big sister. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, and I couldn't... I mean, she has such a tender heart. And, I mean... Of course, I'm gonna talk highly about my child. She's my child. She. I mean, she's technically got four younger siblings. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Three of them are in heaven, and she's gonna meet them yeah. one day. Yeah. But like, that's crazy to think of. Like, she is. She's a big sister. Yes. A lot. And she, she, and she'll say that. Before Trula was born, um, she would say, "I'm a sister. I'm a big sister. I have a little brother, and Jesus has him." Wow. And I just got pregnant with Trula. I had him yeah. so maybe here they would be 17 months apart I believe 
Yeah. I don't know if that math is right. <laughs> I might have to check that later. But <laughs> So the baby that I told you I am holding <laughs> um, that is still asleep in my arms because don't let nobody fool you. I'm a baby whisperer. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> Some people might try to tell you otherwise, but whatever. Um, don't listen to them. You know, this baby is a miracle. And she is perfect, and she is beautiful. She is. And some of the appointments, the doctor's appointments with with, with Trula were much different. Like Very. you know, they were. I mean, I was still encouraging and saying stuff was yeah. was developing normally. Yes. And, it, and that. Were you still kind of like, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> like I, I've I been through like, this before. Like, are you sure everything's going? Right? Yes, and, and I even I had this conversation with my mom just the other day. I told her, I said, pregnancy is pregnancy is hard. Huh. And I yeah, mean, no, along with the stress, <laughs> those of you who haven't been pregnant, um, but I mean, or if you've even watched a person, a pregnant person just now get that, up out of a chair. Yes. And like everybody in my life, feel like they all got babies. It's fine. But I, if you can avoid being pregnant in a pandemic, <laughs> do that. You know, maybe, you know, just try, try to do that. But, um, wow. But yeah, but every wasn't it just the reality of it didn't even set in until I held Trula in my arms. That you happened to deliver during the during, COVID uh-huh. cor- quarantine. That's a whole different story. Yeah. If you're listening to this after the fact, then you know that... <laughs> she was born April 16th. Right. I was going to say, the, the last the peak of it. <laughs> trimester, I guess, of your pregnancy or, you know, whatever was was during this whole global yeah. pandemic. And so that's that's a different story in itself as well, of being, being pregnant and having to go to the doctor and... Um, and even the hospital, the precautions that like, with yeah. the precautions, and then fearing if your husband was even going to be able to be in the room with you. Uh-huh. Um, be very textbook pregnancy and <laughs> delivery, and, I mean, and I held her, and I just was waiting. As soon as we hear her cry, I wanted to see her twitch and, and mm-hmm. make some noise, and I, it was just, it was a relief. Yeah. And it, I, I was, of course I was happy, but I was more of a, I can like she's here and right I mean she's wow. breathing and she's she's crying and I just remember holding her and she fell asleep mm. and I would wake her up I'd, I'd <laughs> wake up right and I, I was let me hear you let me and I had to put my hand on her chest and feel her breathe and I mean it just I, I had to like bring myself to to just I mean because it probably I mean it felt surreal mm-hmm. like this is my baby yeah I'm not just carrying a child inside of me. Like, I am holding my healthy baby. Mara is just, she loves her her baby sister. I mean, with all her heart. Oh, my goodness. So, so, so much. I mean, obsessive. (laughs) How can you not? (laughs) But she just, she thinks about her brother. Just every day still, she just, just as obsessed with him. I mean, she'll, she'll reminisce from when she held him and and just features and seeing his hands and touching his hands and and his cheeks and however long she stands there and and will turn around and just tell me I miss him so much I miss Gabriel so much she'll she'll go up to his pictures and and she'll just stare at him and it still it just I mean melts me when she does that and all I can say is just you know I do too I, I think about him every day Coming, coming from somebody, I've, I lost my brother who was an adult. And sometimes I don't know, um, like, you know, sometimes how to talk about him, you know, without maybe making somebody else hurt. Um, if, if they're, you know, going through something similar to that. Or I think some people don't know how to talk about it with me because they don't want to, like, bring up painful stuff to me. But you're saying that when Mara brings him up, like it actually is good for your heart like it's just I've heard stories oh my goodness all the things that I experienced with Gabriel I've heard so many stories moms not wanting to hold their baby after I mean if they have a stillborn or if they know their baby's not gonna make it they don't even want to hold their baby and and in my mind I I cannot even imagine right you know and I have pictures up of Gabriel and as much as it hurts my heart and to to look at him and just not have him with me it just it just breaks me all up every single time 
But you have tattoos. I do. Of him. And I think Lewis has his footprint. Is that right? Or y'all both have the footprint yes. tattooed on your feet. On our feet. Which is super cool. Because <laughs> um, y'all are both super tatted. And I love it. <laughs> and um, and what other tattoos do you have? I have well, I have this one where it's it's God's hands holding yep. an infant baby's feet. And it says in Jeremiah, I, before I formed you, I knew you. Yeah. Wow. Love um, that. So I just, I want to, I mean, people who come in my house who, who see, oh, he's such a sweet little baby. And I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's my son and he's not here. And, and if they're willing to hear about it, I'll tell them about it. If they don't want to, I'm not going to tell them something, they, you know? Right. So, I mean, people are very, they tiptoe around it mm-hmm. when Mother's Day comes around. I still have people who come up to me with this sad puppy dog looking face. And I'm just like, you know, Mother's Day's a good day for me. When, I mean, when Gabriel's birthday day comes around, we celebrate it. And that's different probably for every mom who has gone through yeah. something uh, similar. Yeah. I'm I mean, because sure some may not, you know, they may not be so, <laughs> I don't know, wanting to like celebrate, you know, a day that, that may like be hurting. But what would you say as just a, a general encouragement for people who may, like you said, be tiptoeing around? Um, like other women around Mother's Day or you know if, if someone knows I'm just I'm, I'm thinking because I know myself like sometimes I don't know how to approach topics or how to approach things that I'm like could be sensitive like could be really iffy but you know what would you say coming from a mom who has who has lost children and we'll just you know just kind of put it put it that way whether it's in the womb um in, in delivery or even after you know the child has has grown or even become an adult what as a mom what is something that you would want, would want to hear you know I've I've gotten it all I've gotten people who won't talk to me because they don't know what to say that hurts that hurts yeah. a little bit I mean I so you would rather them even say the wrong thing um if because I mean that may happen. Intentions? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Because I know I had this talk with my dad, and he said, you know, people don't know. There's people don't go through that. It's not a common right. thing to go through, um, especially at at my age. I'm still in my twenties, and like you said, you know, I'd rather someone say the wrong thing and have good intentions, right? Than be afraid just, of me. Exactly, because they want to try and they want to stay connected, and they right. want to show you, like, hey, I'm thinking about you. I don't really know what to say, right. and it's probably the wrong thing or whatever. But you were saying you would rather have something, yes, even if it's even if it comes out really bad. It does. Than, yeah. than nothing because you just know that they care and you know their and, heart. Yes, and and I've had I've had people come up to me and hug me and just look at me and cry. Mm-hmm. I had a man do that. Like I said, God worked in in this situation in, in Gabriel. Um, he. He didn't get to meet all these people who loved him and cared about him. But um, he impacted their lives. God worked in other people's lives because through Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was just, it was a ripple effect. And I think that, um, that, that, that was God working. And I mean, but I mean, to answer your question, what, what do you say to, a, I mean, specifically a grieving mother or anyone, I mean, who's, it doesn't matter what age, you know, it hurts, it hurts when you lose a child. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked at me, and he held my hand, and he cried, and he just looked at me and said, I don't know what to say to you. And I just knew, I mean, <laughs> I just started crying, and I knew, I mean, his, his heart was in a good place, but eventually he told me, he said, I don't talk to my daughter, and he said, and my heart, it just, it hurts so bad for you, and he said, I can't imagine I mean, like my own daughter going through that. He said, I don't even talk to her. And he said, um, he said, I'm going to call her. Yeah. Eventually he came up to me and told me all this. Yeah. Um, he said, I'm going to call her. He said, I want to get back in touch with her. He said, I just. So him just seeing you and what, what you've gone through actually encouraged him to restore a relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm that had been estranged for, you know, whatever reason, whatever. Wow. There are wrong things to say. <laughs> Don't try and fix the problem. You can't, because you can't. I mean, yeah. you can't, a mother has lost her child 
and when you go up to her and, and say something to try and fix her problem or to say, I mean, God's got better in store for you because that may not be the case. Because I, I, I had, people said that to me after yeah. I miscarried. God's got better in store for you. I lost my son after that. Wow. He did not so have better in store for me. I, I mean, mean, that's what you say to somebody after they lose a job. Right. <laughs> right? Oh, you, you know, know, or after you, you know, you broke up with your boyfriend or whatever. But wow. Okay. So, so what not to say? Right. Is that. That God's got better in store that, for you. Okay. That, because that may not be the case. Yeah. I mean, you may think that or you may believe that, but I am living proof. <laughs> I am living proof. It can get worse. It can get worse. Mm. And, and you know, don't generalize because you don't know what God has in, has in store or what God's plans are for a specific person. If they've lost someone, you know, I mean, you you don't know and you cannot foresee that. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't sit there and just be like, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. You know, I know their heart's in a good place. Yeah. You can't make it better, but you can comfort them. That goes beyond, you know, just fixing a problem. Because right. sometimes we need, like you said, we need the, that process of grieving and exactly. that hurt and that suffering. And sometimes it just helps to know that somebody cares. Right. Being and and that is, I think, in, in trying and in, in mustering up that courage to approach and and knowing that. I don't know what to say to this person. I don't mm-hmm. know what to... Yeah. My heart, I, I want them to know that my heart hurts for them. And mm-hmm. that... And, and just saying... And it can be as simple as a hug. Right. Or just a touch on the arm and say, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. If you need anything, let me know. Mm-hmm. It can be that simple. And, 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 and I can know that you are, are helping me carry my burden. Yeah. I mean, I know you care. But show me you do. You you don't have to solve my problems. You don't feel you don't. I don't want you to feel like you have to either. Mm-hmm. That's good. So they don't have to fix it. No. Like you know. So if, so me going to a grieving mother, I don't have to feel like I've got to go and fix right the the hurt um, or even stop the pain. I'm here to come alongside and comfort. Right. So I think that I think that's good. I mean, it's the, it's the difference between like you know helping and fixing it. Sometimes we want to fix right. something, but sometimes and we can't fix it. But if we all just come alongside to help, because that's too much of a burden. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> that has been a problem that I've faced for most of my life. Is that I feel like that I've got to fix everything, right? Fix the world, right? <laughs> fix it's all hard. the problems or whatever. And it's so, hard. and I can't even like I can't even fix myself. <laughs> And I don't know what, where I got the idea that I could fix anybody else or anything else. Because you, but you, we are not created right. to do that. We're not the rescuer. We're not the savior. But it's the it's it is it is the Holy Spirit inside of us wanting to to carry that burden. Mm-hmm. And your heart hurts for other people, but mm-hmm. that's that's the Holy Spirit in, in you yeah. that that hurts for those people. Wow. And um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I needed that encouragement. But, but. it's in, in the end. God does have better in store for us. Um, life we just here don't on define Earth. what that better is. Exactly. I <laughs> mean, that's our understand, life. I know we don't understand that sometimes better might not look good. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it might not feel good, but it doesn't mean it's not better. Right. And so it's just, I think the, the like I mean, definition of that can vary. Exactly. And, and I think that I told my mom, I said, you know, I've never gotten the relief I need from what has happened. And I said, I don't think I ever will until until I die or until Jesus comes and get me, comes to get me. So, and I mean, that is when I'll be able to get relief from that pain. It hurts. It hurts all the time. And I mean, like I said, I can talk about him. There's mm-hmm. sometimes I can talk about him and not cry. There's something, sometimes I talk about him and, or just the thought of him will mm-hmm. just break me down I mean that relief will not come until until Jesus does <laughs> and that's I mean that's true and uh you know we just celebrated Mother's Day what like I don't know two or three weeks ago um so like you said that can be a really hard time for some and I, I know several women that are not able to birth children at all and um and like we talked about earlier the adoption process is so hard um I have I have friends that have miscarried and who are still wanting to um, to get pregnant again, to have a child like this? It's their it's their heart to be oh, yeah. a mom, and 
whether they've miscarried or whatever, I still feel like they, they're a mom. Oh, exactly. Like, like you know, yeah. their their baby may be in heaven now, and they didn't get to meet their child. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's much but, as a mom as someone who was right. 19 and counting. I mean, you know. <laughs> and and some people don't even announce their pregnancy because, I mean, of, of the risk and the fear of, of miscarrying. And so there's probably people that I know but I didn't even know that they miscarried because they didn't make it, you know, public right. and they didn't announce it. And so there's probably more moms than, than I even know. But we want to to really, you know, to be respectful and to be um, encouraging because, you know, women are strong. <laughs> we are strong and we are resilient. And, I mean, you have proven that so much with not just your and the choices that you've made. And <laughs> this is not a women empowerment thing or whatever, but, like, it's just, like, we, we can still break. And we, it doesn't matter how strong we are. Like we are, we are fragile <laughs> at times and, uh, we yeah. are to be handled with care. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, so many times I had people come up to me and I mean, you can, you can put on a brave face when you go to church and when you, when you're out with your friends and sure. when you're, when you see people, you know, your physicality of what you are, what you've had to go through in your body, but also with your willpower and your mindset and your wisdom, things you go through that people see those those hard times and I mean after I lost him after I lost Gabriel people would come up to me and they would hug me and say you're so strong you're so strong and I just I felt everything but that I felt like I was just a million pieces all over the floor I did not feel strong I did Mm -hmm. not feel this I mean what people were saying I was and and that, that it was God's plan and his will that I made sure that that was what I did. Well, and you've made it clear that Jesus is your foundation. And so, like, you know, his word says that it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. Exactly. And so what people were seeing, and they, they labeled me. it as you being strong, but what they were seeing was the strength of Christ mm-hmm. being exemplified in your life. Exactly. And you were literally resting in that because you yes. and yourself were crumbling yes. <laughs> and probably had already crumbled and just like you said like we're you know you were in the floor hypothetically <laughs> um but yeah but I mean it was it was his strength in you that they were seeing and so that is an awesome testimony of the grace that was sufficient for you in your weakness like in that in that moment or in those moments that are still present I did what I needed to do to mm-hmm. make sure it's 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 what you said. It's grief is a is a word for love that has nowhere to go. Did I just like yes, botch no, that? Right. No, no, no. <laughs> but I thought I mean that really like I'm sticking that in my brain forever, and it's gonna be like a coined phrase for this for this podcast. But I've got I've got two questions that I'm going to fire away at you. The first one is what are you most grateful for today? I, I honestly I can name a zillion things. I could. <laughs> right, I know. That's sounds like I'm like today, I not just, just like in general, but that's sometimes. the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, what he has just what he has for me. Yeah. What he has for my family. Um, I, I wanna raise my kids to be um, to be believers and, and that I feel like right now that's my calling and that's my goal. Mm-hmm. God's plan. And you know, that's what I do have to look forward to is that all, all the things that I've gone through, everything that I've experienced, all, all the, the tragedy. And then the second question is, if we are gifted with tomorrow, what is one way that you want to improve tomorrow? So quarantining makes it a little hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and right now, like I said, right now being a mom and a wife, I mean, that's my calling right now. And my kids are little and to be promised tomorrow and, and knowing that and just the heartache is that I still have something to look forward to. The mm-hmm. hope that he gives me in his plan. Something that I can do would be making sure that not only do I fulfill what, what God wants me to be and make sure my kids see that and that my husband sees that and that I am the wife and the mom that I need to be. So every day you want to just improve on being the example that your kids need to see of the God in you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the conversation and for opening your heart. And I believe that it has been helpful. I know it has been for me. I wanted to be, and I was as close as I could be at the time, which in some cases was a text or a call or, you you know, whatever. That makes a difference. It does. Yeah. And so, um, so I know that just, you know, hearing a lot of the backstory and seeing you now, 
after you've had time to process and and heal some um it's just it's really cool to see the person that you are and the mindset that you have and to hold the new baby <laughs> that is a, that is a miracle and is and is a gift and so i appreciate your gratitude for life and i appreciate your fight for life and your um willpower to not only uh defend your own life but for the unborn and I know that that is that's that was a huge topic and a huge really theme and a foundation of of this conversation was that uh when a when an unborn life doesn't have the ability or the capacity to speak up for itself and to defend the value of its own life you speak up for him or her and so what a mom (laughs) what a wonder woman of a mom everybody needs to get you a friend like Amber that you can call up at one o'clock in the afternoon and say, Hey, I'm driving three and a half hours. Come to my I'm house. coming to your house. <laughs> and then I get here and she's like, Oh, you want to crash here? Um, and then we end up recording a podcast spontaneously. Oh. We've, we've been literally a world apart for a lot of years. And it just shows that literally the depth of our friendship goes far deeper than the width yes, yes. of, of, <laughs> of exactly the relationship right. that we have. So yeah. man, what an awesome testimony. What an awesome friend. Uh, what an awesome individual and human. So I love you so much. And um, even though I wasn't with you physically during it, if you want to reach out to her, then I can I can yeah, connect you with her because sure. she has a heart to help and to talk out things that may be helpful for you. So, so appreciative. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks oh, for listening thank to Church you. Talk.